Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Asian Unfiltered from a different lens. Uh, for the listening audience, I'll set you up with a nice intro on the podcast network. But this brother right here, I met at the Burbank Athletic Club. Nicest dude, got the illest gi. I knew he was like a quarter Filipino mm-hmm. at that point. Because totally like, yo, let me be braggadocious with my black belt too, you know? Mm-hmm. He had like that 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 outlined lucky gi. It was like one of the dopest. Yeah, yeah. To this day, to this day, that's one of my favorite ones. It's a, uh, it's a lucky gi. It was hemp. And it was actually a gift from the guy that owned Jiu-Jitsu Magazine before me. Okay. So... So shout out to Mike Velez for that. That was like a wedding gift. And it was like, it was, I don't, it was brand new or just about to come out. And he gifted me that. And to this day, it's Star Wars inspired, you know, size matters not. And I'm a Star Wars geek. So that gee was dope, is dope to this day. Still one of my favorites. Love it. So the wait is finally over. For me, since I'm a big Lakerhead and NBA fan, I totally go to bet online to make sure I bet on my favorite team, and it's Lakers all the way, baby. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. Head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of like in the in, in any community, right? Like if, whether if you're into hip hop or food, like if you're rocking a dope gi, I feel like, and I'm I'm just a white belt, but I feel like if you're rocking a dope gi, you got to be a minimum a brown belt or like a super dope competitive purple belt. But if you're a white belt or maybe a blue belt, unless if it's like an exceptional blue belt that was a all high school, all collegiate wrestler, you know, you got, that's when you get to rock the Ferrari. (laughs) Rock the Ferrari. But you know, I I will say, yeah. And we, we always kind of gloss over the hip hop culture and stuff like that. But you know, in, in the jujitsu community, that, that's kind of the equivalent of that sneakerhead, you know, oh, he's a sneakerhead or, oh, he's all about his lids, right? His lid game is on point, but in jujitsu, it's about that gi. It's about that gi game. And I'm a mere child when it comes to what some of these other folks are rocking. Like I'm not in that show you roll click or anything like that. Never even owned one. But um, yeah, it's like being a sneakerhead. But at the same time, I do have my favorites and I, I um, connoisseur of gis. I don't know, but I like them. I like them. And there's some, like even, even the belts, you know, the black belt, I have my regular ragtag belt, but then I have the formal belt and it's uh um, made by a motto and it's, uh, it's dope. It's dope. And I, I don't, I don't use that when I roll. I don't it, use that when I roll. Is there something you've learned subculturally? Like, you know, there's the favela jujitsu practitioners, you know, they, they can't afford something expensive. Yeah. Right. You know, uh, even in the Philippines, I was just there last year and, you know, it, it's lightweight geese. They can't be too braggadocious or not, not that it's bragging, but they can't afford show your role or not that we're disparaging them. Right. <clears throat> you know, but th- do you find it that there is like that parameter that I just put like, Hey man, if you want to rock something nice, you got to be at least a purple belt. <laughs> That's really good. Or is that 
really a free for all. No, that, that, that's actually a thing. And in, in like, like anything else, there, there are layers to this game here, right? Because what, what makes jujitsu very interesting is, you know, you, you have that like martial arts, um, um, customs and courtesies, right? You're not going to disrespect the dojo, the academy, the dojang, whatever, you know, martial art. So some places you can't, you don't have that creative liberty. You, you just don't, it's not allowed. I mean, never mind finances, just like when it comes to etiquette for, for all of these different factions, so to speak. So everyone has their own set. Like some people, they won't even allow you to rock keys. Whereas, you know, when I, when I was running my program, I was very liberal with that. It's like, yeah, yeah. Rocket. And as a matter of fact, you can mix match. I don't care. Like I used to wear, sometimes I'd rock blue bottoms with a black top, uh, a, cause, uh, it just, this looks dope. I like that color combination, but B, you know, sometimes the uh, pair of pants rip or a jacket rips or one thing doesn't feel as comfortable as the other. So there, there's so many layers, but um, it all comes back down. And, and this goes, this transcends like tax brackets, so to speak, is just being confident, being confident. What makes you feel good? You could be a blue belt. But if you just have this aura, the way you walk it, like you're getting tapped out, but it's like, that's what's up. Let's go again. You could be a blue belt, but if you have that attitude and uh, I had this, um, I had past tense. It wasn't mine. It was gifted to me. It was a red gi. Uh-huh. That one's tough. A red gi is kind of one of those things in the jujitsu community. I don't know so much about the karate culture or anything like that, where I think it's a bit more common, but in jujitsu, it's like, you better be pretty good if you're going to rock that gi. And if you're not good, be confident. Like, okay, he's tapped out. He's cool again, tapped out because here he is, you know, slapping hands and bumping knuckles again. So, again, there's so many layers. But I think what, what transcends all of that is the, uh, is the confidence. It's like, and that confidence is like a window to your soul. Who are you? Who are you? Is it real confidence? Is it fake confidence? And there's a saying in the jujitsu and community, and I would even say the MMA community, because there's a lot of crossover is the mats don't lie. The mats don't lie. So this is kind of part of the lure for a lot of people, myself included, is you, you, it reveals you, it reveals you. So when you make your friends in this context, you, you get to see, I believe, uh, of a person's personality are they are they real what are you about pressure pressure testing pressure testing it helps bring that out and jujitsu gives plenty of opportunities to put yourself in that pressure and if you keep running from that pressure cooker there you go i get to know you a little bit better right and and with your experience that does does like socioeconomic status represent like a rolling mm. style. Like, you know, someone impoverished might yeah. be more reckless or someone who comes from privilege, but is very humble and very self-aware. They might be more calculated with their head low to their instructors and professors. Is that something that you, that you've seen or noticed? Man, Charles, great question. Great question. Cause I'm a fan of those types of questions because now, now we're getting into nuance. Sure. And with that, so, you know, we, we commonly refer to, I think the spirit of your question is like a white collar grappler, right? White sure. collar grappler. Who's so, blue collar? Who's white collar? 
Yes, yes, yes. And again, it, it can transcend because you can get some, some, you know, high level executive who just, just eats this culture up and he could be absolutely psychotic, so, you know, as far as the way they attack. So humanity is humanity. So again, jujitsu is merely jujitsu doesn't build character. In fact, sports like they, they always say sports oh that's good they need some discipline sports won't give you discipline nothing gives you discipline it only sets the stage and gives you an opportunity to showcase the amount of discipline you're willing to put yourself through the amount of fire and heat and hurt that you're willing to put yourself through and that that's not just uh exclusive to the jujitsu community that's exclusive to I mean, so many things, but especially athletics, something that puts you in that physical state of discomfort and hurt. And um, so with that, yeah, there, there really is a difference because at the same time said, uh, talking about the same white collar type of mentality, here's the other thing they, they chances are they have people to take care of and getting hurt on a jujitsu mat doesn't play in that equation. It doesn't benefit them if they get hurt and all of a sudden a whole system that feeds people like that employs people is affected by someone not being able to turn that on or off. But is that energy that people bring in, even if that's the case, you could still kind of tell that your hard workers from your slackers um, it reveals. And, you know, and sometimes like these impoverished areas, in fact, if you go to the IBJJF, which is the largest, you know, sanctioned uh, organization, uh, sanctioning body for competitive jujitsu, man, if you look, the Brazilians are running the gamut on those. Right. And Brazil is an impoverished country. It's a, it's essentially a third world country. And to hear some of their stories and that the reason why they fight so hard when you, when you get a little bit of context, it's really an amazing thing. And here's people that, you know, are, are a section of, uh, of our society that, they come from very little, but that is the escape. And then they bring that attitude to the mat. And you, I mean, jujitsu is a very intimate art. You're, you're grabbing, you actually feel that energy. And the, we're talking not just hands and limbs, but your whole body, right? And uh, you do, you feel that energy. You feel when people have an intention to try to hurt you or the intention to uh, just work hard. You, you, you feel these things. It reveals those things. Jiu-jitsu is another dialect of language period. Or it's another language. Do you feel because you come from a parental lineage of your grandfather being in the military, your dad was in the military, you were in the military. um, When you commit to something like this with Rodrigo Tejera, am I pronouncing that right? Uh Uh-huh. Tejera. Yep. Okay. You uh, did you know, like you were in there, like because of your oh. disciplinary background, like I'm in yeah. there, I'm in oh, there, dude. So, oh man, this is another great question because this is oh, a funny you. story. This is a funny story. It's kind, kind of unique too. So going back to my first introduction to jujitsu. So before I was into Brazilian jujitsu, man, I was all in on boxing. So in the uh, late eighties, I actually had the opportunity to work out over at uh, 10 goose boxing, which is over in Van Nuys. Now 10 goose. And that's why, that's why I grew up in the, in the San Fernando two Valley. One three people, two, one, three, not eight, one, eight, two, one, three Van Nuys. Oh my God. Yes. 
the old school 213 before right. it was 818. Exactly, Charles. Right. Oh, that, that was that was tight. So <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I was working out with those guys in like the mid late 80s. And you know, some of those they were they were high-level boxers over there. I mean, you had Michael second to none, uh, second to none, former middleweight champion. You had the Royalist brothers, uh, Rafael and Gabriel Royalist, who were just sharp and then to this day it still serves as like this transit type of gym where where you know floyd mayweather goes there the diaz brothers they go there whenever they're in the valley they'll they'll go to tangoose to get that work right so in the 80s i was that and then decided to join the military you know much like you stated like my father and my my grandfather and um in that I, I kind of floated away from the, the martial arts, right? But I was still always, I'm built that way. I, I'm drawn towards that. So then I, and fast forward to 1993, I see the UFC one. Now I had the fortune to watch it live, not in person, but live on TV, not on a videotape. So I would, I, I kind of consider myself some of the old school, although there are others that were before me that knew about this jujitsu hustle before UFC, but um, UFC one, that was my introduction to seeing this skinny little dorky guy, 178 pounds soaking wet with change in his pockets. Right. And I'm thinking, Oh, look at this poor kid. He's going to get mangled. And you know, the Frank Shamrocks and the Art Jimerson, Art Jimerson was a boxer. He was a good boxer. A lot of people don't notice that, know that because they just see MMA lore and the one glove guy. Right. Sure. But Art Jimerson was a legit boxer. He was like a top 10 cruiserweight at the time. So I watched this and it picked my interest because I honestly thought boxing was it. Boxing is it. You put a good boxer in there, they'll light these guys up. But then Art Jimerson, who is check, he checks off. He was a legit boxer. I mean, he he got what he got in UFC 1. I'm like, what? I didn't even understand it. Then I see Hoist doing it over and over again. Then uh, that was December, or I'm sorry, November 93, December 93. I go to the gym. I see these guys in pajamas flopping around doing this jujitsu stuff. I'm like, oh, I got to approach these guys. I got to try. And it was funny. There were no mats. It was hardwood floor. And they were just kind of holding together all these aerobic mats in the gym collectively. They were all sharing one gi and a white belt. Turned out they were uh, students from the Grace Academy. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm pretty good at self-defense. I took karate. I used to train under Frank Dukes when I was a little kid. How about that? Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, he was my instructor. But anyways, um, I'm like, yeah, tuck my chin. If someone slaps on choke, tuck my chin. I'm good. Wrong. They choked me seven ways from Sunday, and I was hooked. So I I had my first introduction to jujitsu and learning at the arts from that group of white belts. And one blue belt from the Gracie Academy. We took this seriously. I wanted to be in the UFC. Um, I trained hard. I actually even talked to Art Davey, who was one of the founders of the UFC at the time, along with Horian. Um, they denied me. Uh, tried to work, work. Got injured. Separated from the arts for another 10 years. So fast forward to uh, 2004, 2005, to something like 2005. Um, I, I got out of the military. Yeah, it was 2005 because 2004, I got out of the military. So 2005, I'm like, man, something's missing. I need this, like this combative instinct. Right. I'm like, I, I got to do something. I played a lot of basketball, but I suck at basketball. So I, I, I love playing, but I just wasn't getting that same fulfillment. So, um, anyways, I'm like, you know what? 
when I was training with those guys, I was good. I was nice. So what I did, I went on the internet. I just looked for the first tournament, first tournament signed up. Didn't even have an academy affiliation. In fact, I put my, my basketball organization I was a part of as my academy basketball, <laughs> big, big ball in athletics. Um, <laughs> I signed up and then I'm like, Oh, oh snap. I, I signed up to this thing. I guess I better find an academy. So I competed on a Saturday, but that Friday before the day before my very first jujitsu tournament, I did a trial lesson at Rodrigo Teixeira's Academy. It was the no-gi day. It was a no-gi tournament. Mike, sweet. Man, it felt it felt so good. I actually was able to hold my own with a lot of the, the lower belts and stuff. It's like I didn't feel like I was lost. It just felt natural. And even though it had been like 10 years since I actively worked out the way I used to get out. So after the trial class, I told Rodrigo, I said, hey, um, I have a tournament tomorrow. Uh, I'm, you got me. I'm in. Would you mind coaching me? And he's like, oh, sure thing, my brother. Sure thing. And by the way, that's a spot-on imitation of Rodrigo, if you ever heard of him. He's all, of course, man. I'll go do it. Let's go. So the next day, I compete. I, uh, I won, won my first match, lost second, lost in the, uh, uh, in the um, bronze medal match to a friend to this day, uh, Echo Charles, Mr. Echo Charles. I lost to that guy. And um, it's been never looked back until the wheels fall off, man. Rodrigo Teixeira from white belt to black belt has been my instructor and I'm built that way. The UFC, Dana White, the marketing team, they nailed it when they had that ad campaign. It's in our DNA. So this type of thing is just I'm drawing to I'm drawn to it. It's in my DNA. Well, there's also a, an aspect where you joined and. I think you had to be a blue belt, but you just yes. bought a blue belt. So there's that yes. that you got to share with my audience. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Okay, so so back back when I was training that that before time days before the, Rodrigo, right? Yes, yes. In the in the '90s, um, they would not let white belts to compete. White belts were not allowed. So I did the whole Karate Kid Miyagi-Do thing. Remember that they'll see when Mr. Miyagi does a little misdirection while stealing the belt from the other hand? Sure. I just I just went and bought a blue belt because I knew. I'm like, oh, I'm prepared. Shine. I'll just do blue belt. And uh, so I bought a blue belt. But then I found out that that rule, by the time 2005 came, that rule had been relaxed and everyone was allowed to compete. So I'm like, oh, cool. In fact, since it was no gi, I just went uh, beginner. I'm like, beginner, sure, let's do it. And um, so anyways, I was able to compete. But yeah, I bought a blue belt and I was I was very prepared. Like, yeah, I'm a blue belt. I brought it with me and everything just is kind of like my documentation or something, you know. But yeah, man, I just want to do it. I didn't care. I really didn't care about winning or losing. Of course, I would have liked to win. I would have liked to beat Echo Charles because he still dogs me about it to this day. But it is what it is. I'm still here. He's still here. So we, we love this culture. We love the community, man. Yeah, I needed you to share that because preliminarily to jujitsu blowing up as it still is, um, it, there's people like you, like I come from the, I'm 45, so I come from the JKD. That's how I got into martial arts and then Muay Thai. That's what I felt like the, was the most effective. I, I'm not going to pox out, lop out someone to death. I felt like Western boxing and Muay Thai was 
the most practical out of the more stand-ups. And for you, I wanted the audience to listen and hear that like, yo, man, I'm going to test my grappling. I don't know this jiu-jitsu stuff, but I'm going to buy a blue belt and I'm going to test myself. And that's in complement to tie into what you said about it's in our DNA. And that's why I was like, you know, seriously curious about interviewing you because I knew of that story. I knew of that story of you buying a blue belt, not even training in jujitsu, but Hey man, this is the curiosity. I need to satiate this. So I appreciate you recounting that. Cause that's really critical for people to hear about where jujitsu is now. Yeah, and you know, can, can I just kind of play off of something that you, you mentioned there Do your thing. and you know, you and I, we, we've, we've, we go back years now. When you say Burbank Athletic Club, that's at minimum six years ago. That's when I closed. But we're talking about even further than that, that you sure. and I have been in some sort of contact, right? And I'm sure you could attest, but at least the way I feel about our exchanges, A, they're good. But B, there's a lot of commonality between us. We have two separate lives. We have two separate experiences, but it's that bond. And, you know, you, you have some of the uh, physical limitations because of past injuries and everything, but <laughs> you, you said it with this curiosity and that is me. In fact, just, just this morning um, I was talking to a friend of mine and I'll just, no, I'm not, I'm not going to name drop. I'm not going to name drop. Yes, I am. Yes, I no, am. You should, you should, because it's important. I'm, I'm petty. I'm petty like that. I was talking to Victoria Gracie this morning. And when I was talking about, concepts being conceptual about the art and everything um i i um wife of hiran gracie for the listening (laughs) new new audience yes so she i mean and yeah she's in that gracie family right she she married into it so it's not like she grew up doing that and then for me it's like i'm no world beater never have been but the the purpose and the point they i think our role and i'm talking to you too as well charles is that curiosity it's like i don't need to be an expert we don't need to be experts we don't need to be this pillar of knowledge of all knowing quite the contrary you know being that i i do run jujitsu magazine i'm embedded in the culture but make no mistake yeah i know i'm pretty nice with things that i may know here and there but make no mistake I'm a curious, inquisitive individual that I expect the community. I'm always reaching for the community to give me answers, not me giving the answers. I only pass the information that the community's telling me about, you know, and I think that's, that's a key point that you and I share Charles is that it doesn't matter if we're practicing on hell. I haven't even been on the mats in the last year because of the pandemic, but Man, once once we we I've, especially me, I found this clubhouse app. It's like I've been able to reconnect and talk to people en masse about this and get that live interaction. It's almost like being on the mats. It's, it's beautiful. It's great, and it serves that curiosity that I'm kind of linking us together with. No, that's even kind of you because I'm I'm just a curious white belt, you know. And uh, towards the end of the program, and we'll close. I'm gonna have to live to tape ask your advice what to do with my neck because and i'll elaborate for the audience uh, a little bit later but but the thing is uh you had mentioned about no gi jujitsu <clears throat> humbly are you jiu-jitsu. about to start stuff you're about to start <laughs> stuff aren't you? Uh, well yes 
Yes, but I think it's it's well thought. Humbly, I say this to the jiu-jitsu community and the self-defense-centric aspect of it. I think no gi is, t- it's time to be an automated curriculum, even if you're a gi school. I, I just feel it, it, it's like learning about culture, you know? I mean, it's like learning about fighting. If, it, if you're an Angelino, you've had a burrito, so you got to respect Mexican culture. Because that, that's <laughs> yes. part of, dude, any ethnic background you are, you know what represents you as being an Angelino is what the Mexicans brought over. It's just like consuming this burrito. You're driving with one hand. You got a burrito on one hand. It's late night. You're a little faded. You're having late night Thai food or, or burrito. So to me, it, it's, it should be inclusive and curriculum. Yeah, you know, even to that, I would even argue when you, when you say, you know, that the Mexicans brought it over, I would always say it was always here. Sure. It's here. Sure. And you're it, right. Especially in the proximity of where we are. And oh my God. Treaty of, then, Gu- Treaty of Guadalupe, the Battle of Rio Grande. Yes, you're right. You're right. Yeah, I mean, and, and, but but that that's the see again. That's that's the inquisitive part. That's the curious part because I mean, I'm sure you have a, a, a and we we've spoke about this personally on the side that I would I would bet money that you have a a, a deeper more broad understanding of Filipino culture than I Absolutely. do. Absolutely, I am I am part Filipino, and that's that's my mom's side and. Man, I'm definitely the white person of my Filipino cousins and family and stuff like that. But, but it's that nuance that really just charges any kind of discussion. And in this one being jujitsu, and we're talking about no geese being the culture, absolutely, or being part of the curriculum, the culture, absolutely, are valued, you know, because that is essentially his push. His push is to do just that. And if anyone's familiar with the 10th planet system, what I really love, and I, I don't really do 10. I am the most unflexible, one of the most unflexible people I know, but I love studying their system because he is innovative. He is groundbreaking. He has these, all these crazy names, but he's labeling things that before didn't have names. He's identifying these things. And once we can talk about some of these I, uh, things that he's identified, then maybe we could have more intellectual conversations when talking about, because now we have names for things as opposed to, you know, that thing when you just throw a leg over and it's in front of your neck, what, you know, before it had no name, but it does now. Thank you, Eddie Bravo. But um, Shout to in Eddie. this whole, I thought, yeah. And this whole idea about, you know, it's, it's a common question of, you know, well, what's better gear or no gear. And you know, that to me, I mean, that's, um, I think each one alone is just incomplete. It's incomplete as they, they both have a place in the discussion. That's like asking which one's your favorite child. You know, if you have multiple kids, it's like, no, it's, it's the family and Guy is part of the family. No Guy is part of the family. They both have, and I will argue and possibly die on each hill of that argument, you know, of why each one is just so important. And, you know, there's a, there's a famous saying that goes on in the industry you know, when Dean Lister coined that phrase about lower body attacks, uh, leg locks, ankle locks, foot locks, is why would you ignore 50% of the body? You know, and Pete the Greek, you know, he, he specializes in wrist locks. He says, why would you ignore 0.5% of the body or 0.05% of the body? So there, there, there's truth to that. And that's the way, again, DNA, curiosity, the wiring. That's why, to me, it doesn't just stop with jujitsu. It doesn't just stop with boxing. 
as a child, that was my infatuation when learning about the military. It's like, I want to learn how weaponry works. I want to learn how rifles work. I want to learn how submarines work, the role that they play, battleships, aircraft. I was into all of that. And some of the things are applicable. A lot of it is applicable. It's all the same, whether it's jujitsu or you know, combat is whoever manages the distance manages the damage. And that could be from striking range to trapping range to, to your, you know, what you were talking about earlier to um, grappling range to ground range to how about this artillery? My rifle shoots further than your rifle. Oh yeah. Well, my artillery shoots further. Oh yeah. Well, my gunships can fire further. Oh yeah. Well, my airplanes can on to satellite technology. So he who manages the distance manages the damage. And I'm infatuated. That's the consistent from when I was a little child to now as, you know, the guy who runs Jiu-Jitsu magazine. It's that infatuation. You know, I, I forgot to ma- ask you, did you feel like you were a little bit duped after watching UFC 93 and go, wait, 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 wait. All of this could be nullified? Because you're talking about distance right now. And honestly, it, it, it's the biggest rep martial revelation ever. Yes. Hoist Gracie. It's the biggest martial revelation. So were you? Or what changed? That's, you know, that's, a, that's an interesting question. Because now that you mention it, I don't know if I felt duped, but I felt awakened. You mm. know what I mean? I, I didn't, because at the same time, I, I think when you feel duped, like, okay, for instance, shout out. I'm about to throw my best friend under the bus, Ron Lopez. All right. So he is my, my best friend that lives out in Atlanta. And uh, we, we bonded over um, martial arts. Now, Ron Lopez is Lisa Left Eye Lopez's younger brother from the group TLC, throwing a little hip hop pop in there or whatever. But um, I was friends with Lisa. But through Lisa, I met her younger brother. He was a martial artist. He loved it. And he set up shop in karate. Now, when you say, do you feel duped? He feels duped. He gets angry about how he used to feel. Cause he's all, no, no, no. When I was all in on karate and he, man, let me tell you, he is nice with it too. He's good with his karate. Um, he's like, no, I, I, I really felt like I could handle myself. But then once he got introduced to jujitsu a little bit before he met me, he's like, no, nah. his world came crumbling down. He took it pretty hard. He took it pretty hard. Me, not so much. I try to uplift him a little bit. Like, no, man, th- there's a place for all that. There sure. is a place. And that's that's how I feel about my boxing. In fact, I'm still proud of the boxing that I knew. I had to unlearn a lot of that, though. And I unlearned that once I gave up a embarrassingly easy ankle pick. Like, I was real tall in my boxing stance. And this guy literally just reached over and and just pulled my my ankle out from under me. And I was like, come on, man. It was, <laughs> it was embarrassingly easy, but but it was a lesson. I did have to unlearn a lot of boxing things, but no, I, I don't feel duped, but I do feel awake. Mm, because that's a completely different sensation. It's now adding to the art. Where, yeah. where I, I, I felt like in the beginning, it's almost like, I have to empty my cup and fill it with something else now, <laughs> you know, but, but, but that, that, that's to your positive personality. Cause it, it, I just felt like, you know, what, dude, if you try and take me down, I'm going to spit on your face. I'm going to throw my <laughs> keys. I'm going to 
Jeep tech you on the knee and then tie knee you. But no, that, that would have not flown, you know, and, and I'm 45. So my, my speech is so caveman, archaic, <laughs> clandestine, right? You know, it's, it's not progressive at all. But, but yeah, I was really, I'm, I'm really glad that you mentioned that because there's still a lot of people now that what's happening in the martial arts community is there are kids that are now their, their nativity is to jujitsu, but now they don't consider striking. So there, there's a bit of a, an orbit traversing to martial culture, martial arts, because now I feel like boxing and because people are native now to grabbing and grappling and submissions. They're forgetting a little bit of like, you know, the composition of, of striking. So yeah, you know, oh man, such a good point. Such a good point. Because yeah, like, okay. So the vernacular you're using, you're the, the old school archaic language, right? You, you could say that's, would you, would you say that agree that that's rooted in the traditional martial arts, right? Traditional martial arts and, language, and, right? And traditional thinking. Oh, really? Societally. So, oh, okay. It, it's like parents, become a doctor, become a lawyer, go to school. Like now you could watch so many entrepreneurial videos where it's like school, school, you're wasting your time at school. So I think just everything's moving so much faster. So mm. it's old school. Yes. But it's also societal change. The society, society changing. Oh man. That's a great point. That's a great point, which I mean, it still plays from what I'm, I'm about to kind of uh, an observation because to me, I love jujitsu. I love jujitsu, but make no mistake. I love mixed martial arts too, because that's where you get to see the role of jujitsu and where it stands. And sure. you, that, that's where the evolution has to happen. I believe because at the end of the day, jujitsu is a martial art, but if other arts are kind of plotting against it, and that's the beauty of mixed martial arts. It really is. Cause Charles, you, you know, you've been watching long enough. You see like ebbs and flows of trends. And it's funny. I was just talking about this uh, very point this morning about the new evolution and modern Catholic. And so Sorry, Jim, please. Lower Catholic. Everyone's in that playbook now and everyone's starting to. Sorry, Jim. Oh, uh, we got okay. cut off by, okay? uh, by the internet signal. Um, Okay. For like 10 seconds. Go Are ahead. we okay right now? Yeah, we're good now. Sorry. Okay. So, so what I was saying to, to, you know, your, your traditional vernacular and traditional ways and, you know, how now the current modern day evolution of from tradition to progressive is MMA. And I was saying that you, you've been following MMA long enough and you, you're kind of intimate and on the inside with a lot of these um, organizations and you see the trends that develop within MMA. Like at one time, jujitsu was a hot thing and then it became wrestling. The anti-jujitsu was wrestling. But then all of a sudden the striking arts started coming back. You know, when you have someone like BJ Penn or Frankie Edgar, man, they boxed at a high level. They boxed, right? And then it got back into... Um, you know, the Muay Thai again, and, and even karate, karate, like even McGregor's style is Leota Machida. You can tell it's based Leota Machida. Let's not forget about him, of course. But you see the trends happen. Cause yeah, remember Stephen Wonderboy tops, all those people. That was the hot thing. Everyone wanted to be Joe Karate in MMA. And right now, I was talking this morning that I think the latest evolution is the lower calf kick. 
the low calf kick. And actually, I, I would even argue that jujitsu is even making a comeback. Like there are some legitimate uh, uh, submission artists. Hello, Charles Oliveira. You know, the, these guys. Sure. Hello, hello T-City. You know, these guys, <laughs> you don't want to go to the ground with them. Habib, you know, you, you that's the evolution along with this lower calf kick game. It's like, uh-oh, we have a new thing. Now Now it's going to get a little bit more mainstream now that um, uh, Connor just uh, lost a Poirier in that fashion. It's the copy, like they say in football or basketball, you know, with Phil Jackson, the triangle and, you know, back in the nineties with the, uh, the, the, was it the fun and shoot of the LA Rams or the, no St. Louis Rams at the time. Um, it's copycat league, man. Oh my God. Seriously. Uh, this is more inside podcaster baseball. I was going to bring up like, Hey, I saw a picture of you with Gary Payton and I could turn this into a Lakers hoops conversation. I, I mean, uh, I, I'm going to refrain. I'm going to refrain. I'm going to be contextually in the timeline. Because we'll talk forever. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 but I do need people to understand your lasagna layering because there's so many layers to you. I mean, I could just talk about or ask you about your military background. Uh, I could ask you about like having an interracial wife, you know, interracial marriage and how your daughter's is getting affected and how you're raising her during this tepid time. And I'll say it on my end, you know, uh, the former president did not bring equality, unity and inclusivity because of his speech, you know, so there's so much I could talk to you about. So I'm going to be a disappointment. Yeah. We'll save that for a different, we'll save that for a different one. (laughs) Yeah. Because man, you, those are, those are all things, Charles. I, I love talking, talking about. I don't mind about uncomfortable things, and I I love engaging with people who are willing, who are really not listening only so they can just debunk every sing, single thing you say, but just bring up questions and bring out tough topics. And I think that is that that is what's missing. Not not only in the martial arts community, but but just in the world, man. And it's funny, and and I'll kind of play off a little bit of that. Is that uh yes. My opinion is that, uh, you know, President, President Trump, it was, he was pretty divisive. He was pretty divisive. And I think uh, that's fair to say. That's fair. Um, his language, because, again, to mention what we've kind of touched on in this conversation is nuance. There's a lot of nuance. And the more you learn historical context, the more you can spot, you could spot this thing and you could see it for what it is. And it's very unfortunate, but which brings me to, and, and I'll put myself out there. What, what I really was hoping for is Andrew Yang, right? He, he was a, a potential candidate and, you know, whether you agree with the policy or not, I get, I get all that. But one thing I did like is that, Amongst all of these policies he proposed, one of them was actually jujitsu. And he happened to be, um, oh, let me see, who is it? I think he's the God, I don't know. It, there's, there's some, he, he has a connection of being the great godchild of Theodore Roosevelt. Theodore Roosevelt was one of the American presidents. And in, in 1906, I believe it was, he coined that if Everyone knew jujitsu or if all Americans learned jujitsu, this, this world would be a better place. Something, something like that. But he was a fan of the grappling arts. Look into Theodore Roosevelt's history. He actually had a mat room in the white house. So you fast forward all the way over to, um, um, 
Andrew Yang, what he was proposing. Never mind anything else, whether you do agree, it's not a political discussion, but it's more of a conceptual thought. And he proposed that police officers attain a purple belt level of efficiency. Now, when you think of it on the surface, it's not much, but when you think about it in depth, you start thinking of, yes, if a lot of these officers, no matter what these officers' political beliefs were, but if they were very efficient in the art of jujitsu, then a lot of these unfortunate incidences would be better not only for the police officers because they don't have to use excessive force. They will have this purple belt level. I mean, hell, I'll even take put my money on a blue belt. Sure. You know, with some athletic ability, right? Never mind a purple belt. But if every incident that every unfortunate incident that happened, if these officers had a, a purple belt level of proficiency, I think the officers would be in a better place because they they do suffer too. They do. And I'm absolutely argument. Yeah. And and this is not a defense in them or for them and and inappropriate conduct, but it would also be better for not only them, but also for the alleged perpetrator. They don't have to die. They don't have to get beat to death. They are effectively restrained and allow the system to do what it's built to do just off of that notion alone of what he was offering and what his ask was now. If you also go into jujitsu culture, I think anyone who's ever spent any good amount of time in an academy, they will understand that jujitsu academies and being on the mat, it's a unifier. It brings many different cultures. And we talked about it earlier, Charles, tax brackets, right? You'll have people in that high tax bracket, people in the low tax bracket. You'll have the educated, you'll have the not so educated. You have the police officer, you have the ex-con, you have the doctor, you have the lawyer. Jiu-Jitsu academies and that art, anyone who's ever practiced jujitsu for a a long amount of time, they will all agree with me. I I would say a good portion would agree with me that that's the reality. Jiu-Jitsu and the practice of unifies people. Now, I, I wanted to write an article as you know, about when Andrew Yang was running, but imagine for one moment, a mat room back in the white house leadership starts from the top and it trickles down, whatever the vibe is, whatever tone and vibe is set by the leader. And this goes from the presidency to the civilians, to an Academy owner, to his students, to your platoon sergeants, to his squad leaders leadership rolls downhill. And if we could start with a leader, just for one minute, the concept of a leader who does jujitsu and understands that power of unity on that level, I think that would be a great place to start. So, so would it be utopia for you if a cop does an Imanari roll, his baton gets caught and then he puts him in the Jew claw and then he almost almost plows him and handcuffs him and goes, yeah, that world star. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, hey, wait, Charles. And let, let me protect you from any further backlash you may receive. When you said Jew Claw, Jiu Jitsu is spelled J I U. Oh, thank you. J I T S U. When he said Jew Claw, that was not any dig at the faith based word or pronunciation. No, it's J I U. It's a playoff of Jew. Jitsu, right. J-I-U-Claw. So don't Thank give you. Charles crap for that. 
<laughs> Thanks, man. But imagine that, dude. Someone in Minari's oh, yeah. and his, his gun and his baton gets in the way with the walkie. Oh, my God. I mean, that would be so amazing because even the, uh, Henner, what, well, I think Huron, too, was like, you know, talking to the officials in New York. And it's like, what do you mean no chest to chest? Oh, that's that, that's, that's one of the most essential things in controlling someone. Horrible. You know, so I think, um, that, well, well, coming from I, what, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, I, I do, and I didn't mean to interrupt. Sorry, Charles. No, do you think? I, I, I want to make this very clear, and hopefully this part, it gets cut up and it gets, uh, you know, distributed, because th- this part is very, very key. It's very crucial. You know, when they, when they start uh, banning for police officers the use of what we commonly call a rear naked choke, rear naked strangle um yes bad things could happen death could happen for sure but here's the thing that kind of stuff doesn't happen to properly trained trained properly trained practitioners we practice that stuff day in day out day in day out mma fighters that we watch for our entertainment that is like the glory to get someone's back and and slap that rear naked choke on it's like it's no one, no one has died in an MMA match from an improperly applied rear naked chokehold. So to allow for our entertainment rear naked chokes, which there have not, there has not been a substantial argument that anyone can make about banning rear naked chokes in sport. Why would we do it when there really is life and death on the line with these officers? Why would you take that tool away? It's, it's a very horrible precedent that I sent, very dangerous. When you take out way that chest on chest, when you take away that rear naked strangle option, when you take those, because then what are the other options? And the fact that it's illegal in our, or it's illegal, perfectly legal in our sports and it's fine. Hundreds of people compete, compete over a weekend, any given weekend with that available to them, not a single death. Pro and amateur, why would you take it away from a police officer? Such an effective tool. So I really hope that that bottom line gets gets disseminated to uh, the leaders, the leaders who make these rules. Right. And that's it's a clear cut example of understanding and applying the understanding, because if someone like Andrew Yang, if he were to be asked, okay, tell me why a purple belt, because it's this level, this level, this level. It's a factor of learning how to. Um, utilize your body to control and hold something, you know, he could explain it to the people who don't understand who are in politics. But if, when you have someone, let's say, look, a lot of us are born on third base, meaning we're not as impoverished as immigrants, African-Americans who are here. Right. You know, a lot of us are born on third base, but it's how you, you, you utilize that. And that's what Andrew Yang is trying to utilize or, or any official who agrees with jujitsu imp- implementation, you know, it's don't act like you hit a triple. Cause you know, you were born in, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Well, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Charles, like, here's the question for you is it's like, where do you think that advice came from? Where, where does that come from? Because I, I, I wouldn't know not a single, and I don't know even know if you would know a single. So I don't know why I'm asking you, but just in case, where, who's giving that kind of information to say, yeah, ban chokeholds, good idea. It's like, uh, do, whoever gave that advice, do they even watch MMA? Uh, you you know? know, 
Uh, you know, a lot of it is uh, wrong line of context. By the way, this is inside baseball podcasting when the person I'm oh. in, when their viewee is interviewing <laughs> me. That's all right, you know, because this is like the brotherhood here. Um, I personally feel it's it's a misunderstanding in its group society. So in other words, it's like when you want to take advice, sometimes you don't want to take advice. You just want to heed according to what people agree to you. Right. Mm. It, it's kind of like when you're in a Facebook group, if it's a political group or understanding of Japanese culture, you will mm. latch on to what you only like and what you only know. But because mm. some of these politicians, they don't know, therefore they are afraid. So if you have a lot of affluent politicians who act like they hit a triple, they're going to form their own confine or commune, sorry. And then they just agree amongst each other. Because, pe- because people are at that level, they don't have the time to understand anymore. But they still want to hold on to that position yes. of authority. Yes. I, I know what I'm talking about. Yes. You listen. Mm. Because A, B, C, and D of my commune agree with me. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why the representation is important. So that way, JK LMNOP, it's like, wait, 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 wait. We got two two sets of five people and they're disagreeing. We have to, we have to understand. Like, you know, I, I honestly, I, I know people in the Philippines and they struggle, dude. I know two families that live in one house because they just, they're just impoverished people. And how can you say, well, no they're fault lazy. Of their own. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm, yeah. So for me, it's just an issue of, not yeah, there's no that, opportunity. Right. And you're not willing to understand. It, I, I won't expect yes. someone to be empathetic, but be sympathetic. Empathetic is when you feel it. You felt it before. But sympathetic is the willingness to look at that and go, that's not good. Let me learn something. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's the Man. pocketed communes, communities that these people elite put allegiance yeah. to each other. And these echo chambers don't really help, right? The way the algorithms work for social media and stuff to really keep you in that side, to keep you siloed from dissenting voices. Well, that's a brilliant point because you step outside, right? That's a brilliant point because with algorithms, if you do research on something negative, everything negative is going to pop up and that seeps into your brain. So you're going to have to combat that algorithm, look for something positive on the same topic to combat the algorithm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, don't don't get mad because you spent 10 years studying karate and you found out that, you know, jujitsu works a whole lot more effectively. Right. Yeah. Don't, don't get mad at those things. I try to make a, a connection with that. Bad right. job. And, and just like what I'm saying, it, it's like if the karate folks are like, no, don't train that jujitsu stuff. Yes. Oh, in fact, yeah, that in fact, going going back to Ron, you know, uh, when I was asking him about jujitsu in Atlanta, that was one of the things he said he he was looking in martial arts academies. And this is uh, late 90s, early 2000s or so. And he he would ask them, uh, do you guys do any ground fighting? Because he wanted to learn. And then the guy just said, Oh, no, we take care of it before it gets to the ground. And he was serious. And to your point, he represents that 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 thought path that chain of thought no we take care of it before we get to the ground and he just knew it he knew it you know yeah i mean i've even experienced people 
I'm not going to mention the ethnicity. Uh, but they're like, <laughs> well, this is Japanese jiu-jitsu. Why are we going to train in Brazilian jiu-jitsu? Mm. They weren't Japanese, by the way. Um, oh. Yeah, they were. <laughs> right. They were a different. They came from a dominant culture. But they're like, right. no, no, I've, I've learned about the Japanese. I spent my time in Japan. I, I can probably make a better sushi roll than any of these motherfuckers on Ventura Boulevard. But man, yeah, that the, the, that 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 false sense, that false sense of authority, like and, and, and what folks deem as an authority or as an authoritative voice, like, you know, just because. I guess I guess it's kind of like uh, you know you're you're born on third base analogy. No 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 no. Just because you're Japanese, don't think that you are an expert of all things Japanese now because you're Japanese. I mean that and that's fair, but it's only a slice of the complexities of talking about any kind of subject. Just you know that someone says, "Oh, I've known that person for 15 years." Yeah, but how well do you know them? How much time did you spend with them? Just because. I may have forged a, a tight relationship with someone in six months. The fact that someone knew them for 15 years, that means little if you've never invested in that relationship. If you never, um, I guess, that whatever the opposite of appropriation is, but just putting back into that culture, that means nothing. Like there, there's someone who they may have been born and raised in Brazil and took, you know, got their blue belt from Brazil because they lived in Brazil. Doesn't doesn't equate to the work that I've never been to Brazil, but doesn't equate just because you spent time in Brazil doesn't mean you're going to be better at Brazilian jiu-jitsu than I am because I put in the work. And I think that goes across the, across the board for a lot of things. And people think that, Oh, psh. like someone asked me, Oh, and he was serious. He's like, you don't speak Portuguese. What kind of, what kind of instructor are you? Like, yeah, it was a little tongue in cheek, but no, 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 no. He kind of meant that. It's like, Whoa, really? Right. It was it wasn't sarcasm. It was literalism presented yeah. in sarcasm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he kind of meant that. And he did not continue with jujitsu lessons. He did not continue. So and he was a black belt in a different art. So, you know, he felt felt threatened. Some people so, just don't get it, Jim. Don't get it. Uh, I'm going to do the most terrible thing to do in radio is a long winded question. OK. I'm going to tell you contextually, though. So, have you ever heard of the, this is the short question have you ever heard of the dunning kruger effect dunning, uh please recap it i oh. i have is it is it the uh how many names or how many relationships you can uh forge no with, um uh, it, it it's where someone has so much knowledge about a topic but they feel like they're more extensive in their knowledge oh. therefore they act arrogant oh okay okay so um, Dunning Kruger, this guy, David Dunning was talking about, uh, where pilots, the first 20 flights, they're really students, right? They're, 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 they're blue belts. They bow to the master, follow proper protocol and, and dialing. But he, what he says, there's this kill zone. Like when, when someone's a purple belt, they think they're a black belt. They think they're mega experted. No, no. You, you know what? You jumped the gun. Not, not to be anal sure. with, uh, with, with details. What you're talking about is the white belt mentality. And then the blue belt is where this effect comes in, which is why we have blue belt blues. Everyone quits at a blue belt. Cause, because 
they think they know more than what they really know. Right. And, and then, well, some blue belts are just, they were content. That's another topic. Yeah. But with the Dunning-Kruger effect, you know, the specificity that David Dunning was talking about was the, the kill time. Okay. Where, where a pilot could crash because they think they know it. And this has mm. happened before. And this is so critical with, 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 with the killing time. And you, you have the military background. So have you witnessed this with, with your student group? Where oh it's like, and, and please elaborate on that experience. It's like the Dunning-Kruger effect. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Your birth's kind of between blue and purple now. And then you, you, you think you're Marcelo Garcia now, right? Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> okay, okay. All right, all right, all right, Jacare. All right, Camaro. And you know what I'm saying? It's like, come on, come on. Hell yeah. By the way, I love all of your references. You hit some of my favorites right there. Love that. Good man, Charles. But yeah, so so to that, and your analogy was spot on too. It was awesome because um, I have stories of that going back into the military. And I will never forget um, a couple of my drill instructors to this Sergeant um, Conejo and Sergeant Mascarenas, and then my staff sergeant, lead drill instructor, staff sergeant, a justice. But uh, I'll never forget, once we went through, at the time, the Marine Corps used what was called line training, linear neurological um, execution, yeah, execution, linear neurological override execution, something like that, linear, uh, line, line. So that was the martial arts system. And we worked at it, and man, I, I was focused. I love that stuff. That was some of my favorite stuff. But once we start getting nice with it towards the end of that portion of the training, the thing he said is now don't go out thinking that you're going to beat up every drunk guy in Oceanside. Cause I was at Camp Pendleton that time. He's like, what you have just learned and what we have taught you is just enough to get your ass kicked. <laughs> so it's like, that's so true, man, because you, you see, I mean, uh, understand the process of how they make you feel like once you're done with basic training, you're like, mm, I could take on the world. You know, it's that it's that Dunning Kruger effect for real. And then, you know, the poor uh, new Marines, they drop into the fleet and then they get known as that guy, like, all right, slow down, boot. They'll call him boot, even though they just finished boot camp, you know. But but yeah, yeah, yeah. That that goes on. Uh, I, I don't think any any genre, any skill set has a monopoly on that kind of thing happening. But yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely. In jujitsu, and sometimes to see it in real time where some of your students they will just kind of and I'm pretty liberal. I'm pretty relaxed, as you as you know. Absolutely, know you, you are. So when I teach, you know, I, I I feel I give everyone a voice, but but there are lines, and there are times where I've had to kind of just pull pull on that leash a little bit because I would have newly minted blue belts start kind of expounding on my instruction on my instruction. Not that I have an issue with with uh people helping other students and i'm not from this hierarchy of no you must be a black belt to teach or you must be blah 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 no i'm pretty liberal but i would see it with my own eyes as some some of my students they would have this feeling like they're not drilling like they used to as a white belt um as a, and not only that they think it's correction time like they they take that notion of they get to correct everyone's flood technique. 
And yeah, it's, 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 it could be a nuisance, but it just really depends on how you run your academy. I mean, leadership rolls downhill. How you, how do you run the academy? But yeah, it's very common to your, to your question, Charles. Yeah. And, and, and the tough thing about that is uh, it's the YouTubery where, Mm. where, oh, I know that move. Oh, yeah. I, know, I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. It's on my playlist. I know. <laughs> I know. Professor Jim, I know. I know. I know. That, that's why, like, I'd rather be self-effacing and not forcibly humble, but just like, yes, sir. No, sir. Because I don't want to be that guy who's teaching yeah. The high, the higher guy on the pecking order about a technique that I still yeah. need retooling on. Yeah, there 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 is a there is a segment of just humanity that, and again, I think this the scales well beyond jujitsu is that that lack of uh, self reflection, that la- lack of inner dialogue before acting out or blurting out something that's just ill thought. You know, it's it's pretty common and. The good thing about jujitsu is that type of behavior just organically with, without malice, it, it gets weeded out because the more someone tries to, what you end up finding out is, you, and, and I've done this in different areas of my life, but you come to realize that you end up spending so much more time and energy trying to deflect the responsibility of the tasks that that's actually harder than if you you just let down that barrier and take it in, soak in the lesson, right? So I think everyone or a lot of people, I'll, I'll just say, have have that going on at some point in their life, you know. And yeah, I, I I'm I'm not I'm not uh, immune to that. That that's happened with me in certain areas of my life to where oh no, no I got this, I got this. And what I mistake that for is a can-do positive attitude, like yes, I could do it, I could do anything, I could do it. But then sometimes it's like, that's not even the discussion. That's not even the discussion whether you can do it or not. You just need to just chill a little bit and take it in, take it in. But it's having that dialogue to when you find yourself doing that, just pause, pause. pause. It's the self-awareness part of it, right? Yeah, yeah. Take, take it in. At least, and even if you're, you're Ill, ill-connected with your initial environment, at least give an attempt, give an attempt, like pause, self-reflect. Okay, where do I stand in this this environment? You know, it's like the old uh, gambling saying: when you go to a gambling table and you don't see the sucker at the table, you're the sucker, right? And it just <laughs> so, yeah. All right, um, advice time. So this is where oh. I'm at right now with with uh, my neck injury. So hey, this yeah, is- make sure you. You, there are waivers on this. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> so okay. it, it's not more medical advice. So this is why I've been forever a white belt. Um, if I train twice a week <clears throat> for a month, the neck throbs, like almost violently. The most I've gone is six weeks where it's just like, my neck is so stiff. Like when I change lanes, I have to l- literally turn with my hips connected to my torso. Um, so it's really halted my jujitsu because after that four to six weeks of training twice a week only, I have to rest two to three months 
before the throbbing stops. And then that's when I'm doing electric stimulation, neck traction, everything to stop the throbbing. So this is why I've always just been a white belt. There wasn't any room to develop. And I'm not going to hold you to it on video and audio. It, th- I- I'm thinking I'm just going to go ahead and enjoy when I do train. I'm not going to think about earning a blue belt, a, a first stripe white belt. And maybe, I don't know if it, here's the question. Do I just train with people who are higher belts, like purple belts and up who aren't insecure and not join an academy anymore? Or maybe the better question is, what would you do in that situation? Well, I, I will kind of tailor this answer to you specifically first, and then I'll just kind of give a more general broad situation. So with you, Charles, joining an academy, you, you have this unique um, position in the community. You're well known by a lot of people. No. And I don't know you, you are, you are, um, and you have this equity in what you do and what you, in your content, the way you create. So in that regard, you don't necessarily technically need to join an academy because I, I truly believe that you'd be welcome with open arms. I know Hegan, he'd, he'd, he'd welcome you in. Oh, my brother, come, come <laughs> train. You know, he, he, he has that door open, his brothers, same thing. And me, same thing. You're not paying a single dime. So you're not paying a single dime out of your wallet. And the reason why is because you've paid an other type of value. And remember, I, I mentioned that the opposite of appropriation, sure, giving back appreciation, your appreciation and your, your content is that that's every time you make something, every time you talk to someone like me connected to the community, that's your, that's like a deposit in the bank. It's an investment. So for you, this is where I speak to you. Yeah. You don't, you don't need to join an Academy. Um, for you, you get carte blanche. Who do I want to work out with today? And just know that that door is going to be open. As long as their time slots available, Charles has a place to train. So with that, you get to tailor your training to who you want to train with and how they run their academy. And there's no need to, unless you wanted to chase a belt, but you're so far beyond that. I mean, it's pretty obvious because you've been attached to it for so long and still that white belt. I think it's safe to say you're not in this for the belt. You're not in this no for way, the belt. No way. I just love it. So, so that speak, I'm speaking to you and that's how I would, um, that's how I would address that is, yeah, I think you're on the right track to find your, your group of trust, that inner circle, so to speak of people you trust and roll accordingly. And now that I've actually gotten older and even since the times you, you worked with my group of guys and stuff, man, I, I would even say there's, there's a, uh, let's say, I'd say there's a, there's an argument just a argument. you may even love this stuff more than me because of the consequences that you're faced with as opposed to what i'm faced with like if i i think as much as i love jujitsu and i hope to do this to the wheels fall off that i don't know if i could do what you do i don't like if i was that limited it would just be different i, I think I, i'd be so hurt at my ability to not 
be able to participate that I would either put in a position to force myself to get to where you are right now, or I'd just have to detach because of the sadness I would bring if I couldn't, if I couldn't do that anymore. I couldn't detach myself, um, Jim. So yeah. Yeah. See, and that's what I'm saying. A reasonable argument could be made. Fortunately, knock on anything sacred that I'm not in that position of like now, now when we're talking about neck injuries, Oh, I'm beat up. I'm beat up this, this hand right here. My left hand, it has not felt right for the last 13 years. It's a constant, like my, my thumb and forefingers are asleep, that constant tingling, that numbing. And it's because of necks. I've had my back ribs dislocated that created pressure up against uh, some nerves and my neck. And I have like uh, fragments in there too that create this havoc that gives me this this 24-7 tingle in my uh, thumb and forefingers right here. So there's that and I still roll. And again, you know, if I, I don't know and I don't ever want to be put in the position to where I'm dealing with what you have to deal with. And that's my argument for you and how much you love this. And that's like the love of the highest level when you're willing to, not even for a competition, just for the love of the existence, your connection to it, that DNA that we, we've talked about, right? That yeah, there's a practical, reasonable argument that you may even love this more than me, but at the end of the day, it's just love, period. And for the, uh, I guess, the common folk who aren't dealing with these issues, yeah, I would, I've always said that just find your niche, find this is one of those things that there's, there's no real playbook other than what's in your gut, how, you know, there's a, a, a saying that I love. It's people won't remember the words you speak, the words you say, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. And with that, that's where everyone, no matter of their tax bracket, no matter of their situation is they have some sort of direction towards or away things based on the way their choices pretty much always theirs. They could always make choices off of how things make them feel. Generally speaking, because unfortunately there are some people that they don't have choices, but on some level, there's always going to be a choice. There's always going to be a choice. And when it comes to, you know, starting a, a, a jujitsu journey or martial arts journey is man shop around shop around see how these places make you feel are you feel do you feel like you're learning do you feel like the instructors on the up and up and not some shady charlatan right like mandating that's always a red flag in fact for everyone uh uh, uh Tap into the Instagram McDojo life. That guy, Rob over there, he's running a good thing. And he outs these kind of, he outs these charlatans and yeah, people will pray. And that's the unfortunate reality. People will pray on other people's kindness, on other people's um, ignorance about the arts. So at the end of the day, it always comes down to trust your gut. It's one of those whimsical things that, you know, everyone has different gut instincts, trust your gut. How are leadership again, how are the other students treating you? How do the other students make you feel? Do they make you feel like the training environment is safe? Make no mistake about it. Even though the martial arts can crank out killers and savages, the training area must make you feel safe, that you can learn how to be that killer, ironically, right? That savage, that beast. So, but 
all in all, it has to make you feel safe. It has to make you feel valued and uh, has to make you feel like you are a part of whatever it is you're, you're attaching yourself to. That's just kind of my general uh, um, uh, advice to the general public. And yours is very specific. You have identified the people you like because you have that equity in the, in the culture, in the community. Well, that that's uh, the knowledge and astuteness of Sir Jim over here, Professor Jim Lawson. Um, I could talk to you for like four hours. Um, and, oh, and, man, we haven't even hit hip hop. I wanted to hit you. Dude. Hey, man, what's some of the new stuff? What's on your playlist? What, put, uh, put me on game. I'll, put me I'll, on game. I'll, I'll send you like a zip file of the newest stuff out there. These kids, these producers are animals, dude like the way they master and mix and the way they utilize hi-hats and just to how to polyrhythmically get you going. It, it's, and, and, and I come from the golden era ear. Like if, if, if I were to tell people, I'm like Tribe Called Quest, De La Soul, you know, uh, the far side. So that's my era. So I'm very judgmental. So, so, so check this out real quick, Charles. I mean, my camera sucks, but I got goosebumps going on because you're hitting the notes, man. Just uh, literally about five hours ago, I'll say, right before that uh, that thing that you hopped in on with uh, uh, Hanach, um, I was talking to my wife about music and I was telling her, baby, listen to how that hi-hat hits. Listen to that. That's some dopeness. And I was just getting all amped up about it. And then here we, this is what I'm talking about. So everyone who's listening, watching, this is what I'm talking about. Every time we talk, Charles, it's like this. There's that connection of stuff that we both vibe on, man. Right. And the white space that I I think I'm starting to fulfill is for people who are Gen Xers and I've found music of today that it's underground and palatable to us. I'm going to send you some music and you're going to be like, I didn't know this, this stuff existed. It, it's so dope, so melodic. And these producers understand so much that, look, I don't have the lyrics because I don't feel your generation's pain because you guys had the MCs. So now let me express it soulfully through these Fender Rhodes and whatever keys that I got. And dude, I, I'm a hookup and level out. I'm not going to be Kanye flatline. I'm when I, when I kick into the, like the hook and the chorus, I'm going to change and put the programming of the drum beats. I, I could talk about this forever and ever, but we haven't even touched that. I mean, yeah, just the military alone, the military experience. I'm really curious about that because I almost joined. We have, we haven't talked. We haven't even scratched the surface of Showtime Lakers versus Shaq and Kobe Lakers yep. and what that means to the LeBron era Lakers. Come on, man. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot. So at least for this time, we, people have seen your layers for jujitsu. It's not just train, 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 fight, fight, fight. You know what I'm saying? So this is really dope. Where can people get a hold of you? If, if in case they, you have any media inquiries, just, I'm sure you're open to, consulting and training people. So especially once everyone's vaccine. Oh yeah, for sure, man. Well, well, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to kind of disseminate that on your platform, Charles. I appreciate that, man. I, and I do, and I'm not blowing smoke up your butt, man. It's like, I, I really do appreciate how you represent our community and uh, martial arts and beyond and um, how you, you communicate it. It's uh, I, I appreciate you, man. And oh, so that's kind thank of- you for that. 
And then, uh, so for, for me, uh, one of the easiest ways is I'm on Instagram, uh, jujitsu magazine. So at jujitsu mag, that's J I U J I T S U mag as a magazine. And then, uh, jujitsu mag.com. I mean, those, those are, those are the big ways. There's a contact button over there. Then also men. This is, here we are in 2021. I just got introduced fairly recently to this uh, Clubhouse platform. I don't know if that's in conflict to anything you're doing. Which you put me on. Oh, man. Oh, this thing, it's going to shift. I think it's going to shift the landscape of social media. And in essence, it's kind of like music. It's like it's built off the backs of greatness, right? It's like we had those previous era MCs and hip hop and all that stuff. But then... I don't like dumping on the new school. It's like, man, I, I, it's a pet peeve of mine when people say, oh, they don't make music like that anymore. Man, stop it. Stop it with that. The younger generation, people who do that, they dismiss the opportunity for the younger generation to build off of what our individual eras created. That's what it's supposed to do. And if people who say that, that oh, there's no good R&B now, there's no good hip hop, you're not listening straight nope. up. I'll, and you're I'll not digging. Your, that's right. And I'll say that to your face and diss you on that. But Jiu-Jitsu Mag on Instagram and then jujitsumag.com on the internet and Clubhouse. Hit me up on Clubhouse. I am actually, my, my handle is uh, Twisted One. And uh, we do have in the Clubhouse platform now. It's Jiu-Jitsu Magazine's Club in Clubhouse. So look for me there. And Charles, it's been a pleasure, man. Once again, thank you very much. I, I can't uh, express enough how much uh, I appreciate, you know, you doing what you do and give me the opportunity to chat with you. Stop, dude. This podcast was about giving you your flowers. So stop with that, man. Yeah. You're the man, dude. See, I flipped that stuff and put it back on you. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But thank you so much. And I'll let you know when we broadcast this. Right on. Sounds good, man. And I appreciate you, Charles. And yeah, guys. Uh, I'm doing a lot of cool things. So, so keep in touch with me uh, through the magazine. Thank you, yes, Charles. Sir. Yes, sir. Thank you so much, man. Asian Unfiltered on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.